Good morning, folks. Today is Tuesday, January 31st, last day of the month, so be sure to get whatever needs to be done by month end done. Welcome to episode number uh, 290-something, 293 of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Ozier, and over the next 45 minutes, me, Eric B., Rakim, Jared Matthews, Matt McDaniel, Jeff Wittaw, Casey Vargas and all of the Simply Cyber community. I don't know if Eric B. and Rakim will be here for real, but (laughs) we'll be tearing through the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be providing my expert analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break in the industry, major value here for you. So stick around. You're going to love it. But before we get into it, Brady McNulty, what's up, homie? Before we get into it, I want to see shout out and thanks to the stream sponsor. Start with my good friend Eric Taylor over at Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicating to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents, street eating it. Get on out of here, cyber incidents, damage, ransomware. Not on my watch. Go to barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. Here's their website. Here's Eric Taylor's face. What a beautiful man. Click on the calendar, day, time, and boom, you are on his schedule, ready to rock and roll, and just talk about your business, guys. If if you care about your actual business, then you, you would be incentivized and motivated to have a call with someone like Eric Taylor and, and just do the due care that your bear, your business warrants, right? Having the best product in the world doesn't help if your business is offline because of a cyber attack. Also want to say shout out and thanks. Final read for our good friends at Recon InfoSec. Today's the last day. I genuinely appreciate their support. Uh, throughout the last couple months being a stream sponsor. Again, I'm going to continue pumping them even after the stream sponsorship ends because I do believe in Recon InfoSec and I do like uh, the brain trust they have over there, Eric Capuano, Whitney Champion, Andrew Cook, etc. If you're in need of service that provides your organization with 24-7 managed detection and response, you need Recon InfoSec. Their MDR transparent offering includes the people, process, and technology needed to deliver full spectrum SecOps to orgs of any size. So your org, what size it is, your org qualifies. Recon InfoSec direct access to the entire team of SOC analysts, engineers, and architects, and they have a fully managed SIM and SOAR. So you get full visibility into your own environment. And if you want to get your hands dirty and get all up in that business, go for it. But if you'd prefer to have them handle all the nonsense while you focus on building your program, GRC, like just breathing for a hot minute, they can do that too. Recon InfoSec MDR offering. Go check it out. ReconInfoSec.com. Links in the description below. Trust me, guy. all I would say is if you're considering going with MDR, which is a sick service in general, Recon InfoSec MDR should be one of your 
um, vendors that you're evaluating, okay? They're not the big name one that you like, if you Google will come up, but you know what? Instead of investing in SEO and marketing, they invest in their people. So they're definitely worth considering. Now, if you're live, love it. How many people we got? 85. Guys, Thursdays and Tuesdays are tough with the 10 a.m. start, I understand. But for those who are here, thank you so much for being here. See another Farm D in chat, Jeffrey Tagle, all up in this business. I think Jeffrey had the uh, ransomware beware uh, InfoSec awareness training. Great job. Um, if you're on Team Replay, hashtag Team Replay in the comments. Thanks for catching the stream. Be sure to not just say Team Replay, but leave a little comment. What are your thoughts about the stream, about the program, about anything? I love engaging with y'all uh, in the comments. Each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, in my opinion, is worth half a CPE, so be sure to say hi, document that you're here. I do have an open line to ISACA at this point. I am trying to get uh, more information on making sure that you know your CPEs are qualified and you don't have any business going on. What's up, Trinidad, Tobago, Jared, Pierpoint, Lego Sex all up in here. Hey, Carrie, Jeffrey, Watala. Guys, it is Tidbits Tuesday, so I will be sharing some, some information uh, with you all. I got a fun one today. I think some of you might be surprised uh, to find out and definitely have some follow-up questions. But as I like to do, and keep, keep me honest, guys, we're going to jump right into the news for those who are here just for that and not for the jaw jacking. So please sit back, relax, and let the... Let the uh, velvety tones of <laughs> of CISO series wash over your ears in an awesome wave. Let's do this. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Tuesday, January 31st, 2023. Criminal crypto goes through five exchanges. A new report looking at money laundering from Chainalysis notes that the market for moving illicit cryptocurrency funds saw significant consolidation in 2022. Overall, it found that the number of cash-out services for cryptocurrency shrank to 915 last year, the fewest since 2012. Those exchanges offering cash-out services in dollars, euros, and yen were down to just five. Those exchanges handled about 68% of all black market cash-outs. The report also found increasing consolidation in deposit addresses where the cryptocurrency goes, with only 542 wallet addresses receiving over 50% of the $6.3 billion in funds tracked, with $1.1 billion of that going to just four addresses. Chainalysis says this seems to be the result and foreseeable continuation of government crackdowns on crypto money laundering. Yeah, that's right. Okay, a couple things to share here. One, I saw two people, Jared Pierpoint and someone else, um, share their um, re renewal and uh, you know uh, month milestone for Simply Cyber Squad membership. Thank you all so very much. One of them I saw was 12 months, so you're going to get that sick OG blue SC logo uh, badging. I see Cybersecurity Central's got it. Um, genuinely appreciate the continued support and not just the, the, the financial support, obviously, but, uh, being part of the community, showing up every day, uh, delivering, um, and networking, uh, and, and being supportive, all of you, I genuinely appreciate it, but I, I just wanted to call out those two real quickly. Now, check this out. This is wildly interesting and very timely story. Okay. Most criminal cryptocurrency is funneled through five exchanges. This is so true guys. Listen, I don't care if you're selling, you know, opioids on the dark web. If you're, if you're, you know, an arms dealer, if you're North Korea Lazarus group and you're breaking in 
and stealing cryptocurrency from the Axie Infinity Ronin Bridge. Hey, Joel Belton, there you go. Um, it doesn't matter, okay? Because your 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 value, your your uh, your money, for lack of a better term, is cryptocurrency. It's Bitcoin, right? Or or some version of crypto, but usually Bitcoin, Ethereum. Okay, you cannot buy other things with. I mean, you can on the dark web, but like at the end of the day, when you're trying to feed yourself, pay for your rent, buy a car, like go on a trip. You, you have to cash out. You have to get that money into a currency that is widely traded, like the U.S. dollar, okay? So in order to do that, you got to go through an exchange at some point, right? And and like, yeah, you know, I could go up to Joel Belton and be like, Joel, I'll, you know, one-to-one, -one, I'll give you a Bitcoin. You hand me $10,000 cash, right? It's a steal because the Bitcoin's worth more. You can do that. But criminal enterprises, they have hundreds of millions of dollars of ill-gotten gains. They're not going to be able to go to an individual offline and try to do that, right? So, and by the way, even if I did that with Joel Belton, at some point, Joel Belton's going to want to cash out that crypto coin. And when he does it on the exchange, the blockchain is going to show that that wallet was involved in some illegal uh, transactions. Joel Belton's going to get arrested. You think Joel Belton's going to go to jail for me? No. He's going to say, I got it from Jerry. I gave him 10 G's. Here's where Jerry lives. Boom. Right? So with, with this um, perfect storm of cryptocurrencies um, devaluing, cryptocurrency regulations getting put in place, and, you know, basically all this activity, uh, criminals are, are quickly moving to get their money. Got to get, get paid that man his money, right? So you know, you know that this is really interesting. Now, here's the the fun fact, okay? This is just like, this is just interesting from an InfoSec perspective. That's all you need to know about that. By the way, this might actually kind of support a continued uh, decline in ransomware activity because if I do a ransomware attack, yay for me, like, woo, whoopee, I get the money. What do I do with it? I got to cash it. Like it. It's taking my time to commit ransomware is not valuable if I can't get the cash at the end of it, right? So with this lockdown on regulations and the consolidation of this criminal crypto and, and the exchanges improving their know your investor uh, regulations or whatever in order to like have an identity tied to an account, tied to a crypto wallet. Guys, it, it, you're going to get people are going to be getting arrested. Okay, so yay! Like this is how we do it with regulations. Now, here's the really interesting thing, uh, and this is like um, extra credit for those people. I did teach today, so I'm kind of in the teacher mood. Um, chain now, like here. Can I zoom in on this? Okay, so I know it's kind of janky on the screen, but it says Chainalysis was uh, saw. It 542 cryptocurrency deposit addresses receive more than half of the $6 billion. So basically, these are the major wallets of major things. Now, what I want you to take away here is Chainalysis, okay? Now, what I'm about to share with you is not for everybody, okay? Um, it was very difficult for me, but it was so well done that I, I had to listen to it. Guys, Darknet Diaries just released a 68-minute podcast the other day, um, December 27th. And it is about a, um, a dark web website that hosts horrible, horrible, um, video content involving children and exploitation. Okay. That's not the TLDR. The TLDR here is 
Andy Greenberg, Tracers in the Dark, the book he released, it ties into all this. This is a very heavy, very, very dark episode of Darknet Diaries, okay? I listened to the whole thing. I finished it this morning. What is awesome is that Chainalysis was involved in the very beginning because this dark web hosting all this horrible content, the way that they were doing the transactions was with Bitcoins because everybody thought that they were anonymous. Nobody knows the Bitcoin, decentralized everything. Well, Chainalysis is able to quickly identify wallets and wallet transactions. It basically is a tool that looks at the blockchain and makes it visually digestible. And Chainalysis got involved and immediately identified who was running this disturbing uh, site. And they were able to go out and find all the people who were paying into it and then track that back. The entire episode is about that, about the investigation. It, it's not uber graphic, okay? So you can get through it. Um, but I just love that Chainalysis was involved in that. And I just want to, like, basically there's two people I want to, like, shake their hand. Like, I even thought about emailing these people. The guy who's in charge of Chainalysis and then the lead investigator from the IRS of all places who um, kind of spearheaded the investigation. Um, so anyways, if you're, if you, if you've got it, if you've got it in you, this is an excellent episode. Um, uh, but it is not, um, it might stick with you for a little bit. Okay. So just be mindful of that. Uh, but anyways, way to go chain analysis. And if they're able to do it for stuff like that, they're going to be able to do it for this. So let's go get them. All right. I, hey, you know what? For once, for once, I'm actually going to agree. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. Thank you, Finfrock. I am a crypto evangelist because the blockchain is immutable and we can trace all of these criminal exchanges and ill-gotten gains and track it back to a human and ultimately... TikTok CEO heads to the house. TikTok CEO Xu Chu voluntarily agreed to testify before the U.S. House Energy and Commerce Committee on March 23rd. Representative Kathy McMorris-Rogers, the committee's chair, said the hearing will focus on how TikTok handles U.S. users' privacy and data security, as well as how it keeps minors safe on the platform. This comes as bills have been introduced to the House to ban TikTok in the U.S. The company remains in talks with the Committee on Foreign Investment in the U.S. on security arrangements to allow it to continue operations in the country. Earlier this month, Chu met with European Union officials to discuss how TikTok would comply with the EU's Digital Services Act. All right. So TikTok CEO, I'm guessing this is like the U.S.-based CEO. I don't know if they do it that way. Uh, the guy's Harvard trained. He worked at Meta for a bit. Um, he's going to speak in front of a congressional committee about privacy. Um, here's a couple things. I don't know who's on this committee. I, this is going to sound so like not cynical, but I appreciate that the U.S. is interested in this. I've heard talks of like possibly banning TikTok like altogether. It's already banned on federal systems. Uh, it's very addictive for people, but it's also um, like like I've said before, TikTok's algorithm in the United States is much more educational, mind-numbing video. Uh, excuse me, entertaining, mind-numbing videos, and TikTok in China is educational content that people get hooked on, right? So it's like a kind of a, a long play, if you will, to um, 
not promote educated people in the United States and promote education learning in China, for example. Okay. Now, here's my only thing that makes me like, okay, guys, have you seen congressmen and women interview like Mark Zuckerberg or interview Google CEO? I can't think of his name right now. Like they ask stupid questions. They don't understand what they're asking about. Like with all due respect, I'm sorry, but they don't know what they're like. They're not equipped to have the conversation. Like when you're asking a question like, oh, Mr. Zuckerberg, if Facebook's free, how do you guys stay in business? Like, like, what are you talking about? Like, how do you not go into the meeting briefed on those things? Like, why are you asking that question? So I don't have high hopes. I don't have high hopes for this congressional committee oversight thing because, but hey, I could be wrong. There are some really sharp up and coming young Congress people who might be witty, but just looking at this, looking at this panel right here, if these are the Congress people, I mean, I don't know who these people are, but I mean, she and him, they, I mean, they clearly look over 60, 70. I mean, so I'm not being ageist. My point is that they just aren't, they didn't come up with it, so I don't know if we're going to get much out of this, okay? So stay tuned. I will be watching this. I will be wildly interested in what comes of this, but I don't have high hopes on informed regulation coming out of it. Hillnet launches German DDoS. Last week, Germany transferred 14 tanks to the Ukrainian military. According to Telegram channels monitored by the security firm Cato Security, the threat group Killnet attempted to organize a DDoS campaign against German targets in response. Cato reports attacks against financial institutions, the German Customs Service, and some law enforcement agencies. The German cybersecurity agency BSI said some websites were temporarily unavailable as a result, but it did not see indications of direct effects on the respective services. While the DDoS does not seem to have caused significant disruption, it shows how quickly state-affiliated groups can launch cyber attacks in response to geopolitical events. Yeah, I mean, come on, dude. All right, so actually, you know what? At the Citadel today, my entire lecture was on distribute, uh, was on denial of service attacks. What they are, what's the evolution of them, how do you defend against them, etc. So this is very timely for that. All right, so guys, we have seen Killnet, which is a distributed denial of service weapon uh, wielded by Russian hackers who uh, many believe are state-sponsored, uh, attack different people. Germany sends tanks to Ukraine in support. Russia does a denial of service attack on some government sites and banking institutions. Guys, denial of service attacks, just, just so we're all on the same page. Some people are new uh, to the field or whatever. Um, a denial of service attack can manifest itself in many different ways. But the primary way most people think about it is where you just blast a bunch of traffic at an IP address and overwhelm it. So legitimate requests, normal people cannot access it, right? So if you wanted to, like a, a great example would be like, it's Black Friday. Joel Belton's ice cream shop makes 90% of their annual revenue on Black Friday because they sell, you know, two scoops for the price of one from midnight to 2 a.m. or whatever, Okay. Um, but you have to order it online, gift card or something like that. And I opened an ice cream shop across the street. And, oh, I don't like Joel Belton. So what I do is I hire denial of service attack. Uh, and at midnight, I turn it on and I just blast Joel Belton's website clean off the internet. Nobody can get to it. Two hours goes by. I turn off the denial of service attack because you do have to maintain it in order for it to continue to operate. It's not like it, you turn it on, whack them like ransomware, and then it's it, it's in place. And then at 2 a.m., I turn it off. Joel Belton misses his annual revenue goals, and then Joel Belton goes out of business. I scoop up all of Joel Belton's um, customers. I came in like a 
and then I've got wrecking ball ice cream and more, right? So um, this is what happens. Now, like, I almost feel like this is a petulant child. I, You know, like, it's more than that. But like, dude, the Russian hackers do a denial of service attack on Germany. Very little impact. Things were down for a little bit, but not really. And Ukraine still has the tanks. So yes, they have this capability, but it's not really causing you know, it's not causing material impact. So it's just like lashing out uh, because, you know, ooh, like you gave us, you gave them tanks. We'll take care of you. It's like, it, it's not having the impact. Now we have seen Killnet attack other uh, services and sites uh, on behalf of Russia. It's mostly NATO based. Uh, like Ukraine got hit a bunch at the beginning of the, the um, conflict and NATO states that um, support Ukraine by doing stuff like this, sending tanks or munitions or uh, soldiers or whatever, uh, are getting DDoSed. I, I'll tell you what, like, you'll, as far as I know, Killnet has not been unleashed on any American businesses or um, government stuff. And um, I, I don't think that they would want to do that because then you're definitely poking the bear. Um, so just be mindful of that. Also, it's worth noting, Killnet's got this uh, capability, but we just saw in the news tip two weeks ago that Russia claimed, Russia's largest ISP claimed that they had suffered the most distributed denial of service attacks in 2022 of anyone else. So uh, even with all this, Russia's still getting hit. Japan and the Netherlands to limit chip-making exports. Bloomberg sources say the U.S. secured agreements with the Netherlands and Japan to restrict the export of advanced chip-making tools to China. This would effectively extend the export controls the U.S. adopted back in October to the two countries. The three countries need to finalize the agreements, meaning implementation could take more months. These rules require a permit to export cutting-edge chip-making tools needed for things like deep ultraviolet lithography. This means key chip-making suppliers like ASML, Nikon, and Tokyo Electron cannot ship their latest tech to China. ASML's CEO Peter Wenick warned that this may have an unintended consequence of spurring China to develop this capability domestically rather than relying on importing. Mm -hmm. ASML, not to be confused with ASMR. I don't even get ASMR, but, but I, it seemed timely to say that. All right. So this deal with Netherlands and Japan around chip exports and limiting it to China has been going on for some time. We have uh, covered it in the story. Essentially, China has the ability to manufacture chips, but they don't have the raw materials, I guess, or they don't have the uh, the it, they don't have the ability to do the first part themselves. They have the ability to do the integrations and stuff like that. But you know, Biden, the United States, China's China seems to be making like a a move to kind of restructure the new world order and kind of be on top. And the United States is currently on top and does not want China to be on top. So just like everything else, right? When you have power, you 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 want to consolidate it and not uh, relinquish any of it. So Biden is flexing with his allies, Netherlands and Japan, in this instance, to um, limit the ability for China to get those raw initial um, pieces to be able to manufacture their own chips. Now, there's a whole bunch of things going on here. One, China is working to do that part. So like it, it, this instance right here does have immediate impact, but China is doing everything they can to make it so they can do this internally, as they mentioned in the story, <clears throat> including there was a story a little while ago, like a couple of weeks ago, where China somehow purchased or got involved through like shell companies and stuff and got 50% of a... Um, 
chip company, like like ARM, like maybe the ARM chipset. A anyways, long story short, China does now have like the intellectual property and the patents and stuff like that around how to do the first part. Uh, and they would just need to like operationalize it just because you know how to do it doesn't mean you can do it. Um, but again, this is basically the United States kind of trying to put as much of a chokehold on China's technology development as possible. Okay. Um, the final thing I'll say about this guys, cause this isn't really cybersecurity. This is like, um, geopolitical and, you know, as a United States citizen, um, what we're seeing here is essentially a decoupling and it's been going on for almost a year now. We're seeing a decouple, a decoupling of the U S global economy and supply chain, right? It used to be out like in the eighties, right? It was like outsource everything made in Taiwan, made in China, made in Pakistan, whatever. And you'd get all these pieces and you would know that like, oh, these raw pieces come from here and then they get shipped to Italy and Italy does this, this, and this, and then it gets shipped to the United States and the final assembly occurs, right? For like an airplane, for example, right? Well, because of what happened in, in uh, with the pandemic and, and supply chain shortages and then you know, China rearing up as like a, <clears throat> a real global power. Um, the United States is trying to break that and decouple it. Okay. So we don't have to depend on, you know, China, basically that's, that's the TLDR. It's just, it's so complicated that you can't just, you can't just like rip the bandaid off. You can't turn the cruise ship around instantly. You have to do it methodically and in a timely way, right? Very deliberate. Okay. Good talk. And now a word from our sponsor, Hunters. The Hunters SOC platform helps your security team identify, understand, triage, and respond to incidents at a much faster pace. ChargePoint, the world's largest network of electric vehicle charging stations, uses Hunters SOC platform to leverage its out-of-the-box detection content to more efficiently respond to new threats and vulnerabilities. Visit hunters.ai to learn more. Okay, hold on. Bye. My audio's glitchy. My audio's glitchy. I I didn't know that. Um, I'll have to work on it. I do need. I do need to. Uh, <laughs> I do need to get my mic uh like dialed in. Um, I'm something I'm working on again. I'm I'm well aware of it. All right, guys. Hey, 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 hey. All right. So, guys, if you're getting educational value. If you're getting entertainment value, holler at your boy and hit the like button for a hot second, right? You see this like little thumbs up emote in the finger? Just click it, just click it, click it, click it. Just hit it once. It tells me that you're enjoying the show. It makes me feel good about myself. That's not really the reason. The reason is we are live right now. This is a live stream. When you hit the like button, other people on the platform who are Googling like how to break into cyber, what cybersecurity certifications should I get? How cool is Simply Cyber? This broadcast will get put in their results because more people are liking it. YouTube's like, oh, people like this. Let's let's freaking show this to other people. That's why I ask you to do it. Let's build this community, guys. 130 of us right now. We can go big. We can go big. I want to say thank you to Barricade Cyber Solutions for their continued support. Also, thank you to Recon InfoSec for your support. Uh, I did appreciate and enjoy collaborating with them over the last couple months, and I hope to continue to collaborate with them in different capacities. I wanna say, if you don't know about the Simply Cyber newsletter, exclamation point newsletter in chat, join it. 
get the email on Monday. If it delivers value, guess what? I'll send you another one the following Monday. If you don't get value, unsubscribe. I basically handwrite an email to you that has value. It's it's it, it, it's time consuming, guys. I actually thought about quitting. Like last week, I was like, oh my god, I don't like. We had family in town. I didn't have time to do it, and I made time to do it instead of canceling it. Okay, because I really feel that it delivers value. So. Sign up for the newsletter, guys. Now it's time for Tidbits Tuesday. Tidbits Tuesday. So every Tuesday, every day of the week has a certain theme. Today is Tidbits Tuesday. So if you're new here, on Tuesday, I kind of share something about me, personal. Um, you know, you may you may um, identify with it. You may joke about it. You may you might har- harass me indefinitely because my first tidbit was that I hate sour cream. It's disgusting. And now people put sour cream... In, like I'll show up on like streams that people don't even know I'm at and people would be like sour cream So I got that going on. So here's a little tidbit. Um, here's a little tidbit for you guys um, Many of you do not know this, but I was uh, very I Didn't have like I, I, I Poor poor is kind of a subjective term, but like I literally didn't have money in college. I put myself through college I didn't have money um and I worked a couple jobs. One made a little bit of money for like buying, you know, food or not food, um, like whatever, beer or whatever. Uh, but the way that I fed myself through college was I was a houseboy at a sorority for four and a half years at Chi Omega at UMass Amherst. I was a houseboy. Now you might be asking, what the hell is a houseboy, Jerry? A boy <laughs> or man employed to undertake domestic duties. This is a real thing, guys. For four and a half years, for four and a half years, at 11 a.m., I would schedule my classes around it. At 11 a.m., I would go and serve lunch to the sorority and then eat lunch myself and then clean up. Or no, 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 I'd eat lunch. And then at 5 p.m., I would go and serve dinner to the sorority girls. And then I would eat dinner. And then on you know, Friday, I would take a ton of leftovers home with me and I would eat it over the weekend because I only had to work Monday through Friday. And I did that for four and a half years, partially putting myself through college. There was no uniform. No uniform. That is really funny and disturbing, Jay Smith. Yeah, so ask me about it sometime. There's lots of stories, lots of stories about me being a houseboy. But I appreciate the opportunity to not die of starvation. <laughs> All right, let's get back. As bug found in Meta 2FA. A security researcher disclosed the bug in how Meta confirmed phone numbers and email addresses in the system. The software didn't include any rate limiting protection, which could allow an attacker to brute force the verification pin required to confirm someone's phone number. The disclosure showed how this could easily be automated and used to remove a phone number from a victim's account. The researcher submitted the bug in September, and Meta said it fixed the rate limiting soon after, paying out a $27,000 bounty. Cool. All right. So I didn't catch exactly how this worked, but... um, uh, Okay, so essentially, you know, 2FA is awesome. Everybody loves themselves some 2FA. It is not a silver bullet. Um, 
and this researcher discovered a way to do a 2FA bypass. Now, Facebook and Instagram, guys, I mean, it's basically one platform, but dude, this is a Fortune 3 company, right? Fortune 5 company. They have deep pockets. They have massive amounts of InfoSec professionals working there. They have software security professionals working there, and they even have a 2FA bypass. So when you're looking at technology, don't just assume like, oh, it's Amazon. It's got to be secure. No. It's possible, right? Also, if you're a security researcher, don't sleep on um, these big targets. You know what I mean? Because there, there is ways to do it. Now, essentially, it sounds like something around the fact that you could like plug in your own phone number. It had to do with rate limiting. Rate limiting. I didn't quite catch it. Uh, but for me, the, the key uh, factor of this story is twofold. One, um, if you're a security researcher, you can use it for inspiration. But as a business, as a cybersecurity operations person, I would look at this one. Sometimes when you roll out 2FA, you know, it costs money, it takes time. The business might say, well, now we're secure. You can use this to say like, no, we're, we're lower risk of being compromised. We're not secure. Like, again, like guys, I, I've said this before. Like, you, the, the goal isn't security, okay? The goal... I mean, yes, the goal is partially security, but the goal is resiliency. You want to reduce the likelihood, reduce the impact of when bad stuff happens, okay? And be able to maintain business operations through that. So with a story like this one, my video is mirrored. With a story like this one, you can say, hey, it's all about defense in depth. This reduces our risk of compromise. But as you can see, even a Fortune 5 company, Kevin, can can suffer a a uh, a two factor bypass, which means the accounts get compromised. People get in. Um, we need defense in depth, which is why we need EDR or why we need a SIM for log analysis. Why we need conditional access on cloud based systems. Why we need web security gateways. Why we need CASBs. What whatever it is that you're trying to push. <laughs> As a cybersecurity professional, a CISO, building your own program, whatever it is, put one of these in your back pocket. I'm not saying you you like throw this story onto a slide deck and then like the CFO opens her pocketbook and is like, how much is it going to take now that there's a 2FA, multi, uh, 2FA authentication bypass vulnerability? Don't, don't, don't think that, but it's definitely worth using. Also, <laughs> as a pro tip, do not use the term two-factor authentication bypass vulnerability in a slide deck or in a conversation with the business because by the time you get to here they have stopped listening and when when you say this they're just going to be confused all right with all due respect so uh think about phrasing too baidu introduces ai in search the great generative ai land rush continues bloomberg sources say baidu plans to release a chatbot service similar to chat gpt in march this will initially integrate with its main search services, providing a conversation-style search result. Over the past several years, Baidu invested billions of dollars to build out its Ernie large-scale language learnings model, which will be used as the basis for this new feature. Okay. No surprise. Dude, ChatGPT just got $50 billion. ChatGPT just got $50 billion from Microsoft, right? You would be an idiot. Not if you had access, if you had access to technology or researchers or whatever, to not try to put some type of chat GPT style bot. Um, like there's a wave right now that chat GPT has created, like a tidal wave. Uh, so I'm not surprised that a search giant like Baidu is going to try to do it. You know what? I'm surprised that this doesn't say American search giant Google to launch chat GPT style bot. 
That's what's surprising to me. I saw Google recently renamed their Google Home device Chatter, which I think is, uh, I don't really like it, but um, but maybe that there's a play where they're going to be moving into ChatGPT style, but, but I'll tell you what, um, this isn't surprising. Google should have one soon. Like, I, I don't, I don't know why they haven't. Maybe I'm missing it. QNAP patches NAS code injection flaw. Oh, QNAP! NAS maker patched the critical vulnerability, which opened the door for remote attackers to inject malicious code through its QTS and QUTS firmware. I I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Mine runs. 4FA includes an additional dimension. That is a really funny joke. I might steal that one, Mine Runs. Thank you. QNAP did not give much detail on the exploit, but the CVE characterizes it as a SQL injection flaw. The company did indicate the flaw could be exploited through a low-complexity attack remotely without any user interaction, although it said that there was no evidence of being exploited in the wild. It still urged customers to update to patched versions immediately. This marks the latest security issue for QNAP, which has seen devices targeted by multiple ransomware campaigns. Yeah, no kidding. Dude, Simply Cyber almost had a soundbite for QNAP uh, exploitation or vulnerabilities. Like, at one point... Um, there was a QNAP story like every other day. So QNAP making making news in ways that they don't want. So these devices probably open to the internet. Um, obviously, that would increase it. Um, it says low level of complexity to exploit. It's a SQL injection flaw. Um, here's the thing, right? Like you can you can like little Bobby tables, a SQL injection flaw, which if you don't know what that means, that's probably worth sharing. This is a this is a joke within the information security community that everybody knows. Okay. Just to show you guys this joke. Right? A SQL injection is where you put in a custom SQL query language into a form field on the front end. So instead of typing in username and password, you type in some type of query structure and you query the backend database uh, if they haven't done input validations on the form fields. This is a joke because basically the teacher's calling and saying, hey, um, is your son named Robert apostrophe colon semicolon drop table students semicolon dash dash. What this would do is basically end the original SQL statement with a semicolon and then execute the next SQL statement, which is drop table name students, right? So drop the database table, name students, and then this dash dash means ignore everything after that. This is a basic SQL injection attack. And she says, oh yes, little Bobby tables, we call them. Um, so it's kind of funny, like like his name is, this is his actual name and that's the joke. So if you hear little Bobby tables, this is what people are talking about. This is like, I don't know, you tell me in chat. Like, I feel like um, this was a, um, this is like a joke everybody knows about, okay? So back to QNAP. Um, guys, if you want to exploit it, go for it. Um, I, I also want to share because I, I recently became familiar with this tool. I had to learn it. I know it's, I know that it's a OG tool in the community, but I'm not a pen tester, but I had to learn it recently. SQL map. I've used it. This tool is super effective, super well-made, super well-built. You basically point it at a form field on a website and it will do all of the SQL injections and tell you everything you need to do. It's very, 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 very um, easy to use and very, very effective at what it does. So what I'm thinking is, if you wanted to play, 
Get a QNAP device that's got this vulnerable version and then take SQL map and point it at it. Do not, do not in under circ any circumstances, take QNAP and point it at a uh, SQL map and point it at some QNAP device you found on Shodan. Please do not do that, okay? But if you are running QNAP devices, um, which are typically residential ones, uh, you may want to, uh, not may, you, you want to update your device ASAP or get it off the internet, um, not facing the internet, okay? Good talk, everybody. 10 million customers impacted by JD Sports Leak. The company informed customers of the breach, which it says exposed information on any orders placed between November 2018 and October 2020. Names, addresses, emails, phone numbers, and partial credit card numbers were exposed. The company warned customers to be on the lookout for phishing emails posing as password resets. It said it worked quickly to resolve unauthorized access that resulted in the breach and doesn't believe customers will experience any long-term impact. All right. Tabletop. All right. So definitely, hold on. We are done with the news so I can play a little background music. All right. So you might think like, okay, I made a, I, I bought a volleyball from JD Sports a couple years ago. No big deal. Again, I say this every time. Be mindful of this. 10 million customers' data is leaked. Um, it doesn't say what data elements. Oh, it does right here. Okay. Full names, delivery and billing addresses, email, phone number, final four digits of the payment card. Okay. So they're not committing credit card fraud here, but they could definitely do a lot of social engineering now that they have all this information. Hey, it's, you know, like DHL is a pretty popular uh, brand to impersonate. You could say, hey, here's DHL and we're delivering to your address, right? So it makes it a little bit more believable. They send this email address, a fake email uh, address to this full name saying that there's a package being delivered to this address that can't happen. You could even say, and it was purchased with these final four digits of the payment card to make it even more believable. Click here to get it fixed, right? Or, you know, hey, we saw some like malicious activity um, with this credit card and in these four digits. We don't put the full credit card for security purposes. Please call this number to dispute this fraudulent activity. Boom, I call a scam call center and I get totally uh, pwned, right? There's a million things you can do with this data. It's going to be on the bar, uh, the dark web. It'll probably be sold multiple times over. It sucks. Um, this is why you have to be ever vigilant and, you know, of your of, of, of scammers and stuff like that because they have a million ways to get your information at this point. The, the toothpaste is out of the tube, right? Chances are the 10 million people affected by this uh, I, I would guess more than 50% already have their information out there in some way. So it sucks. It did not say passwords were compromised. So you don't kind of have to worry about that, but just be mindful of that. All right. So that's going to do it for today's stream. Base case in NCC group. We are at 1043. Ha! Beaten the 1045. By the way, NCC group isn't the, the group that asked for it to be 45 minutes. Mark Lester from the... <laughs> From the Port Authority in South Carolina mentioned it to me, and I took it as uh, great feedback to pair the showdown from 60 minutes to 45 and to also push the jawjacking to the end of the stream. Uh, but for some reason, I know that uh, Base Case and uh, NCC Group all sit around as a, as, a, as a collective, as a team, and listen to the stream. So I'm, I always address them with the timing. Uh, if you guys were just here for the news, holla. I hope you had a good time. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern time for the Wednesday Daylight Cyber Threat Brief. And I want to remind everybody that it is Worldwide Wednesday. Uh, and we will be trying to go around the world. So hopefully you can help us with that. 
uh, South America, uh, get you guys online. Uh, we always have a great African, European, North American presence. Um, Internal Stranger is our Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. Hopefully you can hook us up. Um, guys, I, I, had, I had mentioned last week a potential Antarctic member. My good friend is uh, in Antarctica right now. I asked her if she would be able to hop on for the live stream, but I guess I was wrong about the time zones. It will be 2 a.m. local time in Antarctica where she is on Wednesday when it's 8 a.m. Eastern time here. So she's not going to be able to do that. Uh, unfortunately, but, uh, you know, we tried, we tried. So let's see, Jerry, am I an idiot for wanting to see if I can fix Max and how do you get one that I can work on cheaply? Um, no, Carrie, I wouldn't say you're an idiot for wanting to work on Max. Um, Apple is very proprietary with their stuff. They make it incredibly difficult to work on. Um, I don't even know if you can like, you know, like I wouldn't, okay, so Carrie, you might run into a lot of challenges right up front because as far as I know, Apple like hard, like melds the hardware onto the board, right? So like for this big computer I got going over here that you can't really see, like if you build your own kind of Windows computer, this big gaming rig right here, like you take like a GPU and you plug it into a PCI port, you take RAM and you drop it into a DIMM, right? Or, uh, um, are they called uh, dim sets or whatever? Whatever, wherever you put the RAM, right? If I want to upgrade my RAM, I just pop a chip out, pop a new one in. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. With Apple, the hard drive, the RAM, the processor, everything's fused to the the board. So you would need like, in my opinion, you would need like really advanced technology and like machinery in order to be able to desolder a hard drive, for example, from the circuit board. And they are precision soldering. So I think you might... Um, I think you might run into a lot of problems, Carrie. Um, now when you say work on them, I assume you meant hardware. If you're talking about just like repairing the operating system and stuff like that, I, I guess there's some need for that. But Apple, uh, has the OS image burned, uh, on, I, I don't know if it's read only, but I think it's read only. They have a, the operating system burned in a read-only section so you can always restore the Apple back to its original factory sets and then upgrade the OS or patch it accordingly. So what's up? Let's keep let's keep rolling if you guys want. I got um I got four more minutes we can holler. Let's, let's get some fun music guys. Let's come on. There we go. Mitch T walked away for a second came back hearing about Lewis Rossman stuff. I'm not sure. Heat flow gun also known as advanced tech lol Joel Belton, uh, Justin Gold drives a Ford. Okay. I drive a Chevy. Yeah, Apple does not like third parties. There's like a whole like uh, right to repair thing going on with Apple. All right. Well, how many people we got? 130? 130, looking good. Let's put, put chat back up here so you guys can see what's up. See my announcement about Killnet attacking hospitals? No, I didn't. Is it? Hold on. Oh, okay, I see it here. Killnet, um, Killnet's attacking Dutch hospitals. Uh, sent me a Mailchimp link. Okay, come on. All right, this is breaking news. January thirty-first. Oh wow. Okay. Um, all right, so people are. Campaign targeted University of Michigan Hospital, Stanford Health Center. 
That's interesting. So they are attacking U.S. Uh, sites. Very interesting. I'd be curious to see how uh, what what comes of this. Uh, if this kind of blows things up with the United States uh, involvement, definitely stay tuned. All right, I'm Apple certified, and it's got me exactly zero interviews. <laughs> All right, there you go, straight from the from the mouth of uh, someone who's got already walked down the path. Brady McNulty like walked down the path, got the Apple cert, came back down the path to base camp and was like, don't walk up that path. <laughs> it's not worth it. Uh, let's see. You guys are all talking about hardware repair. Double Dragon music? Yeah, that's right, George. Love it, love it, love it. I missed, by the way, I'm well aware that I missed um, Callan's art of the week last yesterday. I have it downstairs and there was actually like a really funny thing associated with it. Um, just so you guys all know, also Friday, Friday stream this week will be hosted by Eric Taylor and Monday's stream will be hosted by Eric Taylor. I want to say thank you to Eric Taylor for, um, sub you know subbing in for me or or taking um taking the streams uh while i'm out those days so uh you guys can enjoy the uh that is eric taylor lego sec asks a family member was scammed into buying crypto in a sketchy site she can still see her funds is there a way to get the funds if not who can she report this to buying crypto huh can, i mean can she use the site to export I mean, this might be part of a uh, Lego sec. I don't know if it's a pig butchering attack, but I mean, she might be able to say like, "Oh, like, hey, like, I'd love to take out, I'd love to take out some money just to make sure that this really works, and then I'm going to invest a lot and then get her money out that way." Um, that sucks that she bought into it. Look at Lego sec. Check out pig butchering attacks on Wired. Um, like, there's a really great write up. You might be able to follow this. I mean, not that it's a playbook on how to how to do it, but th this could be what happened to her. And you might be able to kind of leverage from this. Um, other than that, I would contact FBI IC3 and report it. The Internet Crime Complaint Center. I'll drop this in chat. Lego sick. File a complaint right here. See this thing? File a complaint. Online cybercrime, maybe. File a complaint right here. Give that a shot. Oh, George is, might be able to help LegoSec. Thank you, George. Call the bank. There you go. When It's always interesting when Eric Taylor takes over the stream. Yeah. All right. No, no Simply Cyber Live this Thursday. But a week from Thursday, we are having uh, Rice and Bort of Scythe, this guy right here. Great guy, really accomplished guy. Um, I would call him, um, not only is he like an elder, like kind of in that John Strand, you know, pantheon or whatever you want to call it, like, but also um, great guy. Like he's co-founder of the IC, ICS Village at DEF CON. Uh, he, he's always, he's like there, like helping work the event. Uh, I saw him, well, yeah, I saw him a couple times last year. But anyways, uh, he'll be my guest the week after next. Very, very exciting. Oh, good. Casually Joseph. Yeah, Scythe is cool. Scythe's got a really cool, like, 
uh, company culture too. Liz Wharton. Liz Wharton has been on the stream. I, I'm friends with Liz. Um, she's a lawyer. Uh, she she's chief of operations or. Uh, she has like a funny name, like, you know, these companies, they like, she's director of operations, but I think she's called like department of state or, or like titles don't really mean anything. It's like the function you do. Let me see. She's got a funny name though. Secretary of staff, maybe. Um, see, it says, it says VP of operations, but she had a funny name before. here on LinkedIn. Oh, well, she used to have a funnier, like it used to be a different name. Anyway, she's a great person. Um, a good follow. I, I really like Liz. Yeah, they do embrace the unicorn. They do. All right, guys, looks like we're at time. Appreciate all of you. Uh, thanks for being here today. I know the 10, uh, the 10 AMs can be a rough start. I've told, I told you guys on stream before, but in case you missed it, um, I switched my Citadel class to the, uh, the nine 30 to 10 15 slot starting in the fall. So, you know, I'm obviously teaching this semester, but after this semester is over, the simply cyber daily cyber threat brief will always be at 8 AM Eastern time, just to make it clean and simple and easy. I do I do, my heart goes out to my West Coast, Left Coast uh, community members. I know it's going to be unfortunate. Maybe some of you won't be able to make the live anymore, and that's a pain in the But it's just, it's it's a decision I had to make. Um, it's just a decision I had to make. So hopefully uh, it's well received. I can always switch it back to, you know, the 10 o'clock on Tuesday, Thursdays. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll, we'll try it out. I'm always, I'm all about trying to improve things at least a little bit every every day a little bit so that's like a big thing but it's one that we'll, we'll experiment experiment with all right thanks lego sec we enjoy having you here thanks you io akinola appreciate it all right y'all have a great day be safe until next time stay secure <laughs>